passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. It's so raspy. I don't no, know. No, how no, to it's work good. On it. It's you good. Can, you can kind of woo, I guess. But uh, can you uh, can you do this? Uh, can you be Raw Women's Champion? And I hope so, but um, only time will tell. Girl, there ain't nothing better than the present. What do you mean? I have an obligatory title defense at Money in the Bank, and uh, I'm challenging you. That's a huge honor, and I appreciate that, but I've only had one match, and I think there's a lot of other women that deserve that title shot before me. Oh, that might be the case, but I'm not challenging them. I'm, I'm challenging you. Do it. Do it. Oh, this is quite unexpected, but um, I accept your challenge. That's right, here we go. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everybody, it's John Pollock, and I'm joined by the man said one day maybe he's going to be a professional baseball player he is waiting <laughs> that's right yes uh, I, you know what there's still hope there's still hope you know what uh, i wasn't the only one who noted this but what um what, what a humble prediction as well that not i'm going to be a baseball player mm-hmm. i'm going to be a superstar athlete huh? maybe maybe yeah I, you, you were yeah. You had an open mind, even at the... How old would you have been when you made this prediction? I think I was... Uh, well, I was in grade four, which means I was probably nine. I was nine years old. Wow. Uh, yeah, John is, of course, referring to uh, a, an Instagram post I made last week uh, where I had the pleasure of going to my elementary school's 25th anniversary. What's your high school called? Not my high... Oh, well, my, elementary, my school. elementary school. Elementary school. Oh, why? I don't know. I Why does that matter? I'm just—I was going to make a joke based on uh, we had raw 25 this year, and then you had your own 25. Oh yes, well, yes, yes. Where they call back all the all the stars from the past. <laughs> what kind of level are you of the alumni of this unknown elementary school? You're—you would be at least a solid. Uh, what a Shawn Michaels maybe coming back. Well, I don't know how you judge that. Like, do you judge that based on how much money <laughs> people are making? Because I certainly would probably not be at the. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like everybody I went to school with in elementary school is either like, like an accountant or like some type of like, I don't know, medical professional. So I've heard from people that I went to school with that I never spoke of. And then they've heard of me 
in in like recent years. Really? And a message me out of the blue, but like, hey, are you on? Never are, knew you were in the wrestling. Are you on in their Facebook? Like, no. Um, oh, they just this, know of you. This has found me. That my my elementary school and high school, like, there's I have no attachment to them mm-hmm, at me all. Neither. Although I did uh, run this into... year, it would be our 15 year, uh, 15 years since graduating high school. That's both incredible. of us. Yeah, that's incredible. Are you sure about that? 2003, didn't? Isn't that when you graduated? Oh, that's, I guess so. That's yeah, 15 you're right. years. Okay, wow. Anyway, so I did run into like a, an old friend who uh, actually was my neighbor, who I hadn't spoken to in years, and then he's he, he's, I guess through Facebook knows that I'm doing this wrestling stuff. That's amazing. So he's just like, man, what's going on with Roman Reigns? <laughs> I'm like, what? You're into this? Oh, man. So, <laughs> it's the top of everyone's discussion. What's going on with this fucking yeah, guy? Yeah, so What's anyway. the deal? Yeah, so I, I went to my uh, elementary school's uh, 25th anniversary. That sounds fun. I was not going to go, uh, but uh, actually this friend was like, hey, what, like, are you at this thing? And I'm like, I, I, I only live like five minutes away. So I went, and uh, they actually put uh, – they okay, so when I went to school at this school um, – they put in a time capsule 25 years ago. That's really cool. Containing, like, you know, I guess uh, various artifacts from the time period, uh, you know, and then uh, something from this each. This is from 1994? Yeah. Wow. And then something from each class. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you'll find, like, a there's, like, a newspaper clipping in there of, like, the, the Jays winning the World Series. and uh, Clearly an old artifact. <laughs> yeah. And I guess uh, every class was responsible for putting something in there. And I guess what my teacher at the time, Mrs. Walsh, decided to put in was a floppy disk. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Like a three-inch <laughs> floppy disk or however many inches floppy disk containing, I guess, uh, a, a, some type of text document containing every student's uh, hopes and dreams for the future. And... Um, Amongst my dreams, I suppose, was... Was there a machine to load this on? No, not at all. In fact, she wrote, if you read her uh, statement, she says, In case people can't read this in the future, we've decided to print these out. Good call. She was very smart. She did. Uh, And so we've... uh, Yeah, we we all wrote down what we were going to do. And to my surprise, because I never had this thought as a child, uh, to, to, to my recollection right now, I... Felt like I might have been a baseball player. At wow, one time. I think I think a lot of people went through that phase in '93, '94. Absolutely, well, that's probably what I would have written if I had a yeah. a school that decided let's uh, let's do something interesting. But I was reading through all all of like my classmates' posts and uh, a lot of unrealized dreams. Uh, oh, yeah, what I realized could really bring bring a downer. Any ridiculous one that stands out? Um. Nothing too ridiculous. I think most kids just like they dream of being singers or like some I don't know some type of professional sports athlete. Uh, one person, a lot of people actually surprisingly wanted to be teachers, uh, and to my knowledge, they're not teachers. But it was a, certainly a realistic goal, um, probably a bit more realistic than some of the others. See, when I uh, lived with all my roommates in university, when we moved out of our apartment, we all made a time capsule. D- did you? Yeah, I didn't like, know that. cool idea. Yeah. Like, we were all going to put stuff in this big time capsule. And then one of the guys, like, there was a hole in the wall. So he puts it into the wall, and they plaster it. It's like, guys, we're never going to be able to access this ever again. 
This is going to be someone. Someone will live here. You can't just come in and knock someone's wall down. So I was like, what's, what was the point of this? Yeah, it's really. going to stay in that apartment. It's in that apartment now. Yeah. So if you're listening and you live uh, at our old place, really I'm not giving it. out the address. Oh, my goodness. Uh, someone well, would track it down. What was the date of uh, unearthing for this time capsule? Well, we gr- when we graduated. So 2007, we oh. put this thing in. <laughs> And we wrote down... No, I mean, which date were you supposed to open it? Oh, we didn't even get that far. You like, should really just knock and, like... I think at some point... It's it's not even like it's in your attic or a storage space. It's I in know, the wall. Like, I it's know. in the drywall. You'd have to, like, yeah. tear down a wall to get to this well, thing. I was like, there's no other place that might make sense to put this. Hopefully one day one of you guys will be rich enough uh, that you could buy the place. So just so you could break that wall down and... What did you put into this time capsule? Do you remember? You know what's funny, actually? The the room I lived in yeah. was previously occupied by Elliot Minardi. Yeah. A mutual friend of That's ours. That's funny to me, but probably to nobody else listening. I'm only talking to you. Are there okay. people listening to this still? <laughs> okay. I think they've given up already. Um, I'm not talking about Raw tonight, I've decided. Yeah, really? Well, there's plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, we could talk about all types of time capsules, if you want. Okay, well... In the year 2040, Mm -hmm. do you think that there will be a time capsule that will have been um, placed in the Sears Center to commemorate All In uh, being sold out in 29 minutes and 36 seconds? Yeah, I don't know about the Sears Center, but uh, maybe maybe like at at the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters, you know, I imagine. They will have access to those walls, yeah. presumably. Somebody will put a Bullet Club shirt somewhere. But uh, quite the story. Quite the story. 30 minutes. 10,000 tickets. You and I predicted. Oh, I didn't think they'd sell out the we first both, day. We both guessed maybe 4,000 first day. I thought like four to five. Mm-hmm. I was really, I was put off by the Cow Palace demand. Mm-hmm. And I think in hindsight, certainly should have given more credit to all in's first day ticket sales, and I think it's it's unquestionable how much people have bypassed the Cow Palace for All In yeah. as their must travel to event of the summer. Yeah, I, I certainly like. I'm wondering how much one affects the other, but certainly I would say I think New Japan greatly underestimated what this All In event is. Mm, mm, I think they've been cooperative, but yep. I don't think that they had any like scalpers were not even aware. To any degree, I mean, like what the, what kind of animal this well, was going to be. And, you and I following this, we went, underestimated it, you know? I mean, I think we both know, we've been following this whole story. We know the names attached to it, but without any matches announced, without any, you know, major, major surprises on the level of a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan, I think you and I both had, and a lot of people probably had doubts that they would break that $5,000, or sorry, 5,000 seat mark on the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think the the immense success on that first day really just shows you the power of the hardcore fan base right now. And I think to a greater extent, like... The, the draw being the attendance. That's the figure. Like, it was this yeah. hook that was, can we do this? Mm-hmm. And the audience said yes. But I would also say maybe, um, you know, to a greater extent, the, the, the power of, I think, this generation's uh, belief in, in entrepreneurship... Uh, and I speak, I don't even know if that's a proper word, but I, I speak from like the experience that you, even you and I have, where like, I feel like maybe what the what the Bucks and Cody are going through is similar to how you and I must, must have felt obviously, obviously to a smaller extent. 10,000 subscribers, <laughs> folks. Can we do it? No. But I mean, when we launched our Patreon, like when we launched our Patreon, when we launched the website, we were like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe we'll get like 10, 
like our goal was 50 people that 50 first people. day and like we hit 50 people in like an like an hour like it was incredible and i think like for so many years we've like heard oh it's the internet everybody's pirating everything nobody's willing to pay for things anymore well i mean the world is changing and it's 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 proving that people are willing to pay and i think the difference being people who have a personal connection with the creator and i think that's what this this project is with all in we know the people we know the personalities and we know the backstory of, of the people that are putting this event on. And I think it entices all of us to want to be a part of that story and to be a part of it. You know, you buy a ticket. I think it's people realizing where, where is my, where are my dollars going to, mm-hmm. who are they actually affecting? And that's something that I think has been lost that, that personal connection with larger media. I think that when you're when you're just paying your cable bill every month, you're throwing money at this entity that you don't mm-hmm. think ever even touches some of the the performers. I think newspapers yeah. have lost that. Yeah. Even though you you have a relationship with the people you read, yeah. I don't think that it's with this this larger institution that is your your big city newspaper. Or if you're buying a ticket to the by paying the WWE, that money might trickle down to the performers, but in an event like this, uh, when you know the money is going directly to the performers that are putting the show on, uh, it just becomes different. It's very much like you know, uh, going to pay money directly to an indie band and buying a T-shirt ex- directly from the, the the lead singer versus you know, uh, I don't know, uh, going to the Air Canada Center and buying uh, a T-shirt from you know the the the, the hired help uh, at the newsstand. Yeah. Um, so. It's a wonderful for phenomenon that I think we that took us all by surprise, and it's. Well, how do you think this this affects wrestling, independent wrestling promotion going forward? I don't think you can view it as anything but a a big positive because it says that a non WWE show, hell, a non New Japan show, mm-hmm. can do ten thousand paid. Yeah. That's uh, that's extraordinary um, for what what are largely um, individuals. Like this is not even a show where. I would say like this is it's Cody and the Bucks and to a much lesser extent it's the supporting cast. It's more the idea of what they are doing as as this way of of trying to establish a separation. Like this feels like these guys are the number 2 promotion in the US. Well, that's the thing. Like I mean, I think we're all looking at this as the first event, but I have a hard time thinking with the amount of success that they're uh, receiving that this will be the only all in. You know, I would I like to me, this is the type of event and this is the type of buzz that helps create promotion. So it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to even go further in with all in. Yeah. In the future. Um, I don't know how you can go further than all in. Uh, Maybe it's um, putting down double or nothing, double or nothing. That's what they'll call it. Yeah, I could see them doing. I could see this becoming an annual event so that they still keep a, a specialness to it. Right. I don't know what the success. It would be successful. Don't get me wrong. But if you went to six shows a year, mm-hmm. you'll you will hit that same mark that New Japan has now right. hit. Where the first show, it's the idea of it. It's seeing this happen in it's front a of your story. Being part of history yeah. to be at a show like that, you mm-hmm. want to be part of that. Whereas show three, it's okay. You've got the Bucks. You've got Cody. What else do you have? Right. This this brand is good for X thousand amount of tickets but it's not going to be 10 mm-hmm. and that's what's incredible is that there's there's no big outside name there's no giant hook a lot of people are trying to say well cm punk signing has pushed a lot of people towards this i'm like you're really stretching if you think that 
the CM Punk signing the day before was some guarantee that he's showing up at this event. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's kind of foolhardy to be giving CM Punk any credit for this. I think so too. I mean, it's a it's a subtle tease as much as when a big performer is in town WrestleMania weekend for when Austin was at WrestleCon this year and not a guarantee he was going to be showing up at WrestleMania. At so. this point, like, I don't even know if there's much value in them, you know, putting CM Punk in, in anything but maybe some type of speaking oh, appearance. It, d- it would only be worth doing a total surprise yeah. as, you know, Bernard the Business Bear. Yeah. Or he j- just, the closing shot is him. And that's... Mm-hmm. That's your big hook for the second show. Yeah, like, um, but to put him, to go out of your way, why would they spend any kind of money now? It, big money on mm-hmm. any talent now. Not to mention they did this on themselves. Yeah. And Cody, Cody did an interview that yeah. on with the Voices of Wrestling crew and some other media about the fact that they are putting their reputations here. They don't want to rely on some big hook by going out and and getting you know every star under the sun. It's it they want to be able to see what they can do on their own mm-hmm. and. It's it's a big position for the box whose contracts are up at the end of the year and what kind of leverage they now have. Like what do what do they want to be doing in 2019 mm-hmm. and beyond? Yeah, cuz they have a lot of equity and they can basically do whatever they want. Really. These guys could run their own promotion yeah. and do X amount of shows a year, offset it with either ROH dates and cut out New Japan or vice versa. Mm-hmm. They could do that, reduce their tours in New Japan and just promote stateside. They could promote New Japan's US office. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can they can essentially do whatever they want. There's a part of me that really hopes that these guys don't entertain a WWE offer. Oh my god. I no. can't imagine you being anywhere satisfied to go work at WWE. I don't think you could after being involved in something like this if the to books, be hands-on. Yeah. And running everything and to give up all of that yeah. for WWE, oh I think God. would be so regretful. And can you like, imagine? This is legacy stuff for these three, for, for multiple guys. Completely. Can you imagine if the Bucks had signed with the WWE maybe two years ago? They'd be missing out on 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 Hot Topic. They'd be missing out on, on doing this. They'd be missing out probably on being the elite. All things. They'd that, be like, searching for Bobby Lashley's sisters. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I look at this and I wonder how much influence it has uh, on WWE talent, people that are already in that system and maybe aren't necessarily so happy. That said, though, I mean, there are a lot of independent wrestlers. There are only, you know, the Young Bucks and there are only Cody. And I would say there are probably only a handful of people who are capable of doing something like this. Yes, not everyone could. I think that there's there, there are some in WWE that I think could absolutely have success outside of it. Mm-hmm. I think the percentage that are willing to take that leap is extraordinarily small. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that was a huge story uh, from over the weekend. Uh, also, I know uh, we don't always go over MMA news here, but I do have to ask why. Chuck Liddell <laughs> announcing that he is going to come out of retirement. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions have been dabbling with the idea of presenting a, a mixed martial arts promotion. And... Chuck Liddell wants to, he says he's coming back regardless, wants it to be with Tito Ortiz, hopes that this happens with Golden Boy, plans to talk to Bellator too, but it sounds like at 48, he is coming back. And Tito has said the same too, hasn't he? They've both, you know, stated they want this fight Mm -hmm. and Golden Boy could be an outlet for it. Oh, I think it's so sad. Like, I don't want to see seniors fighting. And not to say he's a senior. But he's 48. Oh, God. And he lost... um, Four of his last five fights yeah. uh, and was knocked out 
um, three consecutive times before. That was 2010. He had his last fight. I think it's one thing one thing for like a musician to come back for like you know a one big reunion tour, one final performance. Even if that musician's voice has changed and they can't hit the high notes like they used to, it's another thing to see an athlete try to perform again at you know 10 years or however many years afterwards. I just I. First of all, I don't want to see it, uh, somebody get hurt beyond what they should be, uh, the, the amount beyond the amount of damage they should be taking at that age. And I don't want to see a man with, you know, shitty technique. That said, though... <laughs> dude, this dude was talking about fighting John Jones today. That's ridiculous. Like, But, I mean, it gets people talking, right? But, but that said, you and I watch PCO, you know... <laughs> this is damn the PCO kill, of MMA. Damn near kill himself in front of an audience, and this audience was cheering. Granted, yes, pro, pro wrestling is very different from MMA. But if Chuck Liddell goes out there, gives like a really incredibly heartful, gutsy performance, and has a very memorable, memorable match, this could end up being a very positive thing for him. I'm, I, I won't lie, I'm a complete hypocrite. I'm totally going to watch this. Of course. And yes. watching Chuck Liddell fight, even at 48... Um, John, I, I've, John Jones, I'll, I'll watch that. Chuck versus that, John Jones. I, that I seriously would con- <laughs> contemplate not watching because that, that that will never happen. That will never happen. Uh, never, never, never. Um, yeah, just like Conor McGregor. And I can say though, like with Chuck Liddell, there are some guys that yes, they are very much influenced by just income. I I have sat down and spoken with this man. Mm. This man loves fighting. It was torn away from him. Kicking and screaming. He did not want to retire in 2010, but he did. And he was given what was told to him would be a lifetime job at Zufa. And then they sold the company and his job was redundant. And like this guy, you can watch him cage side. Mm -hmm. Like he wants to be in there. He loves everything about fighting. He loves the camp. He loves the weight cutting. Everything about fighting he loves. And there's only so much I can look at this 48 year old and say, hey, this is his life, and this guy loves fighting. That I, I don't think you can. Um, Where do you draw the line, though? But it's a man's safety here, and it's a man's health. Like, a doctor's going to clear this guy. Well, he says he's going to have to go through all the different testing, and yeah, that's certainly on the, the commissions. I mean, because of his style, and granted, you you match him with the Tito Ortiz, it's it's not you know the most dangerous striker, and it's also someone that is you know limited compared to their prime. But nonetheless, this is a fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I wish this guy could have retired and just been happy, but isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants to fight. Like, he flat out tells Ariel on his show. It's like, everyone says, you know, there's life after fighting. And you know what? <laughs> it's not that good. Like, he basically <laughs> just says, like, you this know, is it. He, this is my life. It's he, fighting. He, more than most, always seemed like this was all he knew how to do. Like, this is all he knows. People train a lifetime. This guy was an accountant at one time. Are you kidding me? He was—he has, like, a degree in accounting. <laughs> I'm willing to bet not that good of an accountant, okay? Like, or at least probably not the life that's for him. He'd probably be miserable doing it. And I wonder how good he would be. Would you trust him with your taxes? Uh, the Iceman? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. But, uh, well, you know what? I respect it. Listen, of all, I don't know if you've watched an MMA fight this year, but I know you will watch that one. Uh, will you sir, not? Yes, 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 I will. Yes, I will. I was close to watching the uh, the Raquel Pennington uh, uh, 
Amanda Nunez, Amanda Nunez fight. fight. Did you see any of the card? No. Didn't. It was a very good card. Yeah. yeah. I heard I heard uh, very controversial. Uh, yeah. Do you have any thought on this? It was at the end of the fourth round. Raquel Pennington has... Mm-hmm. She has lost minimum three rounds. I had her down four going into the fifth. She tells her her corner, I'm done. I need to be done. And they, they talked her out of it and continued onward. And as I said on the show Saturday, I think that Raquel Pennington is the one that ultimately will wake up the yes. next day. And she has since said she would have greatly regretted if her corner had stopped her and she wanted to go out that way. I... I wasn't a big fan of it. Like, this was not a fight that she was going to turn things around and win. Um, but she is the one that has to live with that. Yeah, not, certainly. Not the other people. It's, I, I, to, in my opinion, it's kind of tough to comment on unless you're that person. Unless you know the relationship mm-hmm. between the fighter and the coach. Um, and <laughs> What I wish is that, not uh, independent of this example, is that there was more of this in MMA. This idea that when a fight is lost, there is no shame in in not continuing a fight, in not sending your fighter out there for unnecessary damage. It's true, but we've seen comeback finishes. You know, we've seen some people that will say that they, they, you know, they, they wish they didn't quit or that, you know, they're so glad that they didn't quit until the very end. Um, I think it, it's just, it's, it's a tough thing to, that's why I, listen, I put on the fighter in their corner because yeah. if they're going to, if she's going to look back when she's 50 years old, her one title fight, and ask herself for the rest of her life, what if I had just landed that shot in the fifth, and you need that that devastating reality of that fifth round, mm-hmm. then that's fine. That's that's her, her right to have it. It's, mm-hmm. it's more so, I look at the corner as sometimes having to be the bad guy, to realize that you do need to live to fight another day. We can build you back to another title fight. We are not sending you out to just further incur more damage to the point that you are a diminished fighter. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen fighters that are not the same after a fight. I don't think she suffered you know, career-threatening damage uh, in that fifth round to her nose. It turned out it was her leg that was extremely messed up mm-hmm. from the, the first leg kick she took in the opening round. Uh, it was just—it was a dominant win by Amanda Nunez. I, I will say, I think fighting is very different from, let's say, you know, toughing out a performance in in another sport or even in in a professional wrestling match. You know, like Brian Danielson complaining that he wants to finish the match despite a concussion, for instance. I mean, fighting—if somebody's not mentally into it—it could be very dangerous. Uh, I mean, as are many other well, sports. Well, for, for a lot of corners, if their fighter tells them, "I'm done," that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a very hard. Um, reality to face if you're a fighter in the midst that you have nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but it was a uh, it was a big it's discussion point story. coming out of it. Yeah. Um, quickly, let's talk about our shows this week, and then we will get into this um, dreadful raw. Uh, we have rewind to SmackDown coming up Tuesday, and then we've got. Hey, first of all, yes, I I I, I want to thank number one. I want to thank Ardo Cal for being. An amazing guest on our post round table. Yeah, this was Friday. a really great round table we had. We've yeah. we've had some great round table guests. I've heard from a lot of people say that this was their favorite. Their favorite podcast that we've done so far at post wrestling. So thank you all who have listened to it and checked it out. I'm oh. worried now because we're we're hitting a good streak on these round tables oh. that I'm I'm just like, wow. Yeah. How do we follow uh, this? But Ardo was just incredibly open and candid about his experiences working for the WWE for a, a, a year or two. How many years did he work there? It was um it was like fall of 2014 until April 2016. So but, you 18 know, months, give he, or take. He talks about basically his, his long road to getting there, 
and finally getting his dream job as a broadcaster. And then basically how the reality of the job, what it didn't really turn out to be. <clears throat> and I would I would recommend it for anyone that has any aspirations of ever uh, becoming a broadcaster in any wrestling company, um, including WWE. I think many people that listen to this, um, if you're aspiring broadcasters, I'm sure WWE is something that you would like to one day work for. I think this is a really like an honest look. This is not somebody that is by any means. Um, he has nothing to to lose anymore. Like the the from all accounts, it seems like Arter is completely done with professional wrestling. So yeah, and not someone either that looks that. back on it negatively either. Yes. I mm-hmm. think has a very um, measured look at this this long road he had to get there, and not having any regret about at least seeing what was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's up there right now, uh, and if you're a double-double and uh, above patron, you can watch a video of that too. Correct. Um, and also, I did a UFC 224 post-show, yes. um, which uh, I looked down uh, on Sunday morning, it had turned out to, and I had suddenly realized I had been talking to myself for an hour and 22 minutes. Wow. That's... Sunday was an... Ex- that's, a, that's, a, that's a talent. I guess so. Um it wasn't a talent uh, waking up three hours later to start my Sunday, and mm. that, that was that was a big Sunday. Oh man! <laughs> but uh, but I'm all recovered. I I have introduced napping actually way after we talked about this. Napping is key. It's it was big. Uh, so I'm wide awake now. Uh, but anyway, Wednesday well, night we've got uh, British Wrestling Experience this week. It is Martin and Benno who will be on the show chatting all the latest uh, British news, which there is no shortage of, as the WWE is getting ready to conquer. Uh, well, they are currently conquering that whole part of the world as we speak. And then Thursday, we've got a new ups, Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. And then Friday, folks, it is Captain America Week here oh. at PostWrestling.com. Uh, for all of you Patreon subscribers at PostWrestlingCafe.com, Way and I are reviewing Captain America Winter Soldier. <laughs> yes. After John uh, reluctantly... Um, I think you, you, you said that you wouldn't review the other movies, but, uh, it just, it, it, it was a week where we didn't have much wrestling to do and this looked to be the perfect choice. And John, I think has since like really come around to the idea. And I know for a fact that you're taking this one pretty seriously. I watched the Avengers last night. Yeah. You're doing quite a bit of prep for this. I take it. Are we going to talk about the Avengers a little on Friday? Sure, of course. We got to, it, it all fits in together. Whoa. John just motioned the thumbs down. Okay, Man, we'll hot take, hot Friday. take. We'll talk about it Friday. All righty. Uh, yep. And, uh, you know, some of you are, are, are probably curious uh, about our thoughts on also the other big story today. John Cena and Nikki Bella. Oh, boy. Wait, I was, was going to wait. Well, but... I think we should save that for the end of the show. Okay. Yes. Maybe we can even... Can we uh, get at least the first minute... Of John Cena with Kathy Lee and Hoda. Do I play it? Of course. Let's 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 have that ready at the this end. This will be a long show. This oh, will God. be a long. No, it won't be because I want to be done raw in twenty minutes. Okay. I wish we'll, it was we'll twenty try. minutes tonight. I wish I could watch. This is one where, folks, I, some people are very kind. They're like, "Oh, we don't have to watch raw. We we listen to you." And I always love those people out there. This is one that th- this was a real struggle to show for me. This was one you guys who always say that should go back to watch just so you can suffer with us. So we had a taped edition of Raw from London, England at the O2 Arena. Uh, they were going up against a huge NBA playoff game. So I can only imagine what the viewership was. No Jonathan Coachman tonight. He won the entire night because he got to stay home. Booker T was flown over to call this. Was he doing another golf thing? 
I don't know what he was doing. Uh, Periscope, I believe, is Tuesday night, so I don't know what Coachman had going on. But it wasn't this, and I'm sure he was just laughing to the high heavens that he did not have to call this show. We started the show off with highlights on the red carpet at the NBC Upfront presentation. A heavily edited video with Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey from the original version, which they would later air. I don't... Okay, yeah, this yes. early portion. Yeah, yes. it was just a tease. This first one, they added music. They cut out a lot of it. Um, we'll talk about the unedited version later. But um, that is the big news to start the show, uh, as you uh, read at postwrestling.com. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax at Money in the Bank. I guess we can discuss this now. As reported by John Pollock. Uh, yes. So... Uh, what is your thought on this? I think everyone, the storyline is, is this too soon for Ronda Rousey? Um, I can say this. This was a decision that they made, uh, I was told, right around Backlash. So we're talking like a week that they decided to go this way. Because both of them were going to be going in separate directions. Ronda with Natalia and Nia with Ruby Riot. And instead they decided to do this. It's, wow. it's kind of out of nowhere. Sorry, so you heard about what at Backlash? Like, they changed. It was right around backlash time that they decided they were going to go with Nia and Ronda. I see and change plans it. from where they were going. Um, so going this way, you really have no story. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronda going for the title should mean a lot, and I think it will. Um, it adds interest to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, I think it's way too early to put the title on Ronda, and certainly way too early to beat her, mm-hmm. which I feel means you get probably uh, a finish that can set up. The summer program with Natalia. I think that's where you can get to her. To when I think about all this, to me, it, it feels like their intentions are less about what creates the best story, and maybe instead it's about what creates the mm, best headlines for our shows going forward. To me, it's it seems apparent that they. I would assume that Ronda would win because to have her lose this match, um, I mean, I could see that too. But I just feel like they want Ronda in the upper mix of discussion when it comes to their their shows. Uh, And the best way of doing that, I suppose, is to put her in title matches despite the fact that she is, I'm assuming, not ready. Certainly her acting and her promo ability is not ready. Uh, But who knows how long it would take for her to be ready. Would she be ready by SummerSlam? Doubtful, you know. So to push it up by a month, at the cost of abandoning your current storylines. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. This seems to be a, a business decision so that we can justify having Ronda Rousey front and center in all of her promotional material. The strange part is, and I don't know what the advance is, like Chicago is a pretty strong market. Money in the Bank is a pretty strong show. It's a takeover weekend. I don't feel this is the show that needed... Um, necessarily needed this and there was so much to do with Ronda before we're even talking about the title stuff I think you can subtly tease the Natalia thing and and get there without having to do this match where you either I mean you could put the title on Ronda it just feels that why rush something that doesn't feel like she does not feel stale it doesn't feel as though this needs it it also suggests to me that they probably have something bigger planned for SummerSlam that that is ultimately what they're pushing towards maybe it is Ronda with the title against the money in the bank winner maybe it's Ronda versus Charlotte that they want to peak for SummerSlam you know could yep. be an idea like that but it's which i also i also wasn't crazy about this upfront thing of having Charlotte and and Ronda all buddy buddy here 
They were all buddy-buddy. They were all, yeah, including in the other photos, like Rhonda was Stephanie and Hunter too, but I mean, I guess that's not part of... This this video, this is a storyline video. And Let's talk about the video now, why don't we? Yeah, why not? This was very poorly acted. Yeah. I mean, very poor. I mean, one of Rhonda's worst outings. Not to say Naya was much better. I know. It just felt very cringy. It felt to me like... This wasn't necessarily uh, written down or rehearsed word for word. They might have just been told, hey, go out there, here are your bullet points, act out this scene, and build this angle for us. Because I can't imagine any writer coming up with those words. And to me... Mm, I, I could. <laughs> well, they were just so bad. And like seeing Rhonda's acting in it, God... Like, I know she could probably do decently. Like, we know what she's... We, we've seen her do good promos. We've seen her do, you know, when limited and kept real. and But after a lot, lot of rehearsals, no doubt, you know? And and also, we know what Rhonda's good at. She's good at the physical intensity. She's look good at mean mugging and giving, like, like this very, uh, you know, like like the, the in-ring stuff She she's actually very good at. But having to talk, having to act out a scene... She's terrible. Can you do this? Can you be Raw Women's Champion? Well, I mean, one day I hope to be. I'm not there yet. Girl, there ain't any time better than the present. Mm. What do you mean? I have only had one match. I'm not challenging the others. I'm challenging you. And then we hear the peanut gallery off camera. Do it. Do it. I was like, oh, what am I watching? I what am I listening? Ugh. Part of me feels like we're unfairly criticizing this as a proper angle because I don't think they had the proper production of an angle. I don't even know if they would have had a producer telling them because if there was was a producer, a producer should have told them, hey, let's try that one again. I would think the I would think that this was a heavily Jesus. focused upon segment to the point that I think the women just didn't want to screw anything up. Oh like, my you're, God. You're doing something here at an NBC event um, that's going to kick off Raw, that is going to get significant coverage. I'm sure this was a micromanaged segment. Yeah, but it certainly didn't. Like, in that case, why not do a second take then? Because I, I think this was, this was the type of performance that definitely needed a second take. Well, I mean, it's one of those matches that people are going to debate uh, the booking of this match right up until the match that adds... Um, a lot of discussion point to this show. Mm. Um, we'll see what they do. I think that there's several ways you can go. The most plausible being a a non-finish of sorts where Natalia can get... Like, there's a natural reason for Natalia to feel that she's been leapfrogged here for this girl who's got one title, uh, one match. It's true, but then what do you do at SummerSlam? SummerSlam, the SummerSlam match has to be bigger than this one. Doesn't it? Presumably. And you're right, Natalia. I mean, Natalia and Ronda, if they feel that's that's big enough that you have a personal issue, I don't think it's big enough. Bigger it's than, not big enough today, but it could be by August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Who knows? Anyway, so that is a uh, that's the big news, and that was raw. <laughs> Twenty <laughs> minutes done. Then we had a show to get to. Oh yeah. Roman Reigns comes out, tons of booze. It felt like his music played forever, and Corey Graves said. Typical UK reception for Roman Reigns. Yes, this is an isolated part of the world that just doesn't understand the man. (laughs) There must be a lot of people from the UK in every city in the world. He said he was robbed last week, not by WWE management, but by Jinder Mahal. And he challenges Jinder to become relevant and face him like a man. But out came Kurt Angle, 
He said Mahal won't be coming out. He speaks on behalf of WWE management, and Jinder is going to get a shot at the Money in the Bank tonight in a qualifying match because last week, Angle was thinking emotionally when he turned him down, and he says that's what's best for business. So, out of nowhere, maybe not out of nowhere, but Angle is now the puppet for Stephanie. Mm. After facing them at WrestleMania. Right. Like, he is using their... Like, he just feels like the errand boy here on behalf of Stephanie. I think he always has been. But maybe this week you're seeing Kurt Angle, who is more uh, afraid of losing his job. And actually, you know, to the point where he feels like, you know what, maybe I should start taking some orders. Doesn't that make WrestleMania kind of look weird? Mm. Well, what the, he what was screwed, that, what He was screwed that up all their plans. Yeah. He turned Ronda against them. And then he, they beat the authority. That's true. Like, why wouldn't Stephanie just have fired Kurt Angle? If, she if, hasn't shown up once since yeah. then. Like, why wouldn't, if instead of just fucking with Kurt Angle every single week via, you know, employing things like using Kevin Owens or something, why not just fire Kurt Angle? Like, at the very least, it would take one of Kurt's many phone segments of Stephanie threatening Kurt that if you don't fall in line, your son will not have a job to come back to. Yeah, we like could, we give could me something that. that explains this guy just be becoming this this sheep for them. The explanation, I guess, is that Stephanie wants to fuck with Kurt, and to fuck with him, he has to be under her employ. You know, but it all it takes is a simple explanation. That's all I want. Explanation. I, I don't think we should have to be filling the gaps here for these radical character changes. So, Rain says that's fine. If Jinder's gonna have a three way with Elias and Bobby Lashley, just make it a four way. And Angle denies him and says WWE management will not give him any more opportunities to qualify. Reigns understands, but has to go do what he has to do, and he leaves. He goes backstage, and within seconds, he finds Jinder Mahal alongside Sunil, just hanging out. And Reigns uh, attacks both of them. What's great is that, like, Jinder sees Roman approaching. He, He gives Sunil his turban only to throw Sunil at Roman first. I thought that was awesome. You could hear, like, a light chuckle from this audience. They fought by a table of bananas, which was uh, the only thing I could describe that was going bananas here because this audience met this angle with indifference. They fought into the arena. The officials separated them, and Jinder retreated. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was like the brawl was just, like, there, you know? I, I think... I mean, this was a segment where they were just going right ahead and continuing to push Reigns as the hero, standing up to authority, going after the bad guy, despite the background noise being completely... (laughs) This felt like a selfie promo. Reacting completely, like, different from what this angle was designed for. I mean, at this point, it's really just, like, Vince telling the story he wants to tell, regardless of the reaction from this crowd. Then we had a big plug and they were promoting this throughout the show uh total bellas this was the go home show for total bellas returning on sunday on e uh i think i ask this every time but this airs in canada on e on sundays i'm not sure if it airs on uh, at the same time on sunday okay uh it might be delayed by a day or two you have an entire audience that is really hoping i think you have an audience too that wants to i don't think they want to hear my thoughts they want to hear your thoughts oh man i can't just talk about it by myself that's the best part well, I, I watch it see. through your descriptions. Well, I'm going to try and watch Okay, it. we shall see. Okay. At least the first episode, maybe. Yes. Maybe I can weigh in on Daniel Bryan taking Birdie for her first swimming lesson. I, t- that, that's why you're so important for these reviews, John. You have like a fa- new father's perspective. Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental title. 
I, I get on Rollins for his suicide dive. This was the, the lightest jog into a suicide dive. And I think by design, because Owens had to catch him on his shoulders and then drove him into the post. They're fighting on the apron. Rollins avoids an apron bomb and hits Owens with a falcon arrow onto the edge of the apron to Kevin Owens, who, if there's one constant I hear from this guy in all his interviews, it's the state of his back. Is that right? Oh, he always talks about his back pain. I mean, he was talking about it going back to like Hell in a Cell last year, that match with Shane. Maybe after like the Jericho Daniel Bryan interview where Jericho complains about taking the apron bomb and how much it hurts, maybe Owens is like, you know what, I should probably take one. (laughs) Well, he's he's even. He took one here. Uh, then Rollins landed a real suicide dive. Owens came back, big DDT, pop-up powerbomb is blocked. We saw the revolution knee that only generated a two-count. Then Rollins went for the frog splash, landed on the knees. Owens cradled him, two-count. And then Rollins scales to the top but takes a fisherman buster. Rollins rolls to the floor, sends Owens back in. And then as Owens gets into the ring, he's hit with the stomp and Rollins pins him. Uh, they went about 15 minutes on television here. Um... I thought this was a good match between the two, um, but this was an early part of the show where I was sitting back just realizing this is going to be a really long show. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. I I, I enjoyed the show. I, I enjoyed the match. Okay. I enjoyed the match. Did you uh, enjoy the show? The show, in hindsight, okay, we'll talk about it okay. at the end, but I thought the match was really good. I mean- This was a good match. They this seem was. to be on a mission right now to push Seth Rollins as- the best wrestler in the company. I suppose, you know, Raw's answer to AJ Styles on SmackDown. And uh, by doing that, I feel like they're allowing Seth Rollins to go out there and basically have a match of the night every single show. Very much kind of bringing that, you know, uh, very popular indie style into his matches. A lot of big moves. Also a lot of not, not a lot of competition for that that award. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that's true. But at least one guy's trying to compete for it, right? You know, a lot of big moves, a very fast pace, a number of near falls. Uh, so... It, it seems to be at least a more concerted effort to push him as, hey, this guy's a really good wrestler, more, more so than before. Hey, I'll take it. Rollins has been a, a shining light on Raw the yeah. last two months. Kevin Owens, on the other hand... Uh, I think that's what I uh, took me a bit out of this match, is just Owens just feels like a just a guy in the middle of the card at the moment with... And, and granted, given some direction by the end of this show, mm-hmm. but during this match... I think it was just, oh. here is the guy for Rollins to beat. He lost to Braun Strowman in his hometown. The guy who took the pinfall, by the way. Right. Lost to Braun again last week. And here... And at the pay-per-view. And at the pay-per-view. And in this segment, like, really just felt like a complete afterthought. Obviously, that was to build to the main event. So he was he's working a losing streak gimmick, basically. Always awesome. Yeah. Those losing streak gimmicks. They recapped uh, Nia Jax's challenge uh, with uh, the video in full including Charlotte and Rhonda both uh, getting raspy when they tried to woo. And this big segment ended with the girls calling for water as they laughed. I thought Rhonda's was like every bit as good as Charlotte, if not maybe even a little bit better. Well, Charlotte's woo is significantly better than her strut. Is it? Yes, that I I agree with. That's going to be the step. Someone has to retire that strut from Mm, Charlotte. Yeah. Anyway, so the storyline. Is this too soon for Ronda Rousey? Hmm. We shall see. Well, I think uh, for that reason, I think I Ronda has to, like, throw and quick armbar Nia, in my opinion. Well, for everyone that is concerned about the actual match, this is going to be the most laid out, produced match you can envision. 
they are not throwing Ronda out cold. This is I feel this like- will be a like the kind of match where Nia is flowing to Florida to go over this match weeks in advance. Like they will, they are not going to put Ronda in yeah. any position to fail. I feel such a sense of deja vu from right before uh, the Royal Rumble. Oh, sorry, sorry. Right before uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And I and feel- she blew away expectation. And I feel like at that like. Even even then, when we had this conversation, I remember feeling deja vu then about a conversation we might have had uh, as it relates to Goldberg when when he returned. Remember when he came back and right. everybody was like, you know, yes. can this guy work a match anymore? Blah, 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 blah. Turns out he didn't need to have to work that much of a match. No, and know? Ronda shouldn't be doing 20 minutes either. But mm-hmm. I, I am not too concerned about this match. I know some people think it's going to be a disaster. I, I really don't think. It's like you had this undersized woman Nia knows how to play the big menacing, well, the big menacing uh, bully. Which she should have done. Defeat her. Which she she didn't do at Backlash, and I thought that match failed miserably. But here, she is clearly the favorite over Ronda Rousey uh, as the baby face. Right, yes. Kurt Angle was on the phone a lot on this show. I hope he had a great international plan. Uh, He's talking to someone who's not watching Raw and informs them of the title match that Ronda has at Money in the Bank. Bo Dallas and Kurt Ax- Curtis Axel walk in, and they have a new team. They suggest being called the A-Team, but Kurt says, nope, that's uh, that's already an established entity. He had to, <laughs> he had to like, remind this audience or let this audience know, you can't use that name. That's a name of a show from the 80s and also the name of a reboot movie. Like, it just, I guess, maybe shows me how old I am because I... You say the A team. I know exactly what that is, but he had... well, they did the remake. The remake, right? I understand. Quentin, but, but he had to qualify this for a, a section of the audience that has no idea what the A team <laughs> is at all. So instead, they call themselves the B team, with Dallas saying it stands for the best. They want a tag title shot. Kurt says, "You guys have never won a match together," and Dallas says, "Well, that makes us undefeated." Uh. Yeah, the B team, undefeated. Mm-hmm. Angle is going to put them in a match as long as they don't bother them again tonight. So well, we've got another comedy tag team. I know, I know. We kind of know how these go, right? I mean, like it's, it's... Heath Slater and Rhino. It's the job squad, you know? Uh, they might be hot. Like, they might get a lot of attention, I think, to start off. But then they never continue with them past maybe a month or two. And then they're just... Rizongo. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's where it's just this giant pile of these teams and these characters. Their tag team division is that. That is. Yeah. It's that's what it is. And it's uh it's it's when people they they get into a team like this. It's like this is great for them. They were doing nothing before. I'm like, yeah, and they're not going to be doing anything in 4 months from now either. And it's right. just just a giant build up of Andre the Giant Memorial contenders that mm-hmm. we've got. It just so many of them. And yet yeah. you struggle to get stars over and there, we, there's always like, anyway. there's always room for comedy. Of course and, there is, but to me it's like there there's got to be a larger concentration of stars than it are goofballs. Right. They're they're great at creating goofballs. I know they they've got way too many. But I don't even think Dallas and Axel are that great at it. Like I prefer Slater and Rhino as comedic, you know, uh, characters than than these two. But listen, I'm glad that they're keeping their jobs, and I'm glad that they're at least getting a little bit. Well, we got the answer tonight of who would be lower on the pecking order between these two and Brizongo. Sure. That was answered. First Money in the Bank qualifier of the night was No Way Jose, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Roode. Corbin knocked Jose off the apron into the barricade. 
The crowd was chanting uh, No Way Jose throughout this and singing along. Corbin hit the deep six and his chokeslam backbreaker to Jose, and this kind of woke the crowd up. Corbin ran shoulder first into the post, into the floor. Rude hit the glorious DDT, pinning No Way Jose, who uh, just referenced our last discussion about the B team. That is No Way Jose now. Uh, So Rude qualifies for the Money in the Bank ladder match. I don't give a shit about any of these characters in this match, but I could appreciate that they put the effort that they put into it. I mean, I thought they kept a pretty fast pace and gave Jose a, a chance to show some fire. And this crowd got into him, to my complete surprise. Uh, overall, I thought the match was fine. Then we had Kevin Owens meeting with Kurt Angle in the back. He wants a rematch with Seth Rollins and wants to pick a stipulation. And Owens threatens to call Stephanie McMahon if he doesn't. And Angle tells him not to threaten him. And Owens says, that's not a threat. So then Angle walks into the trainer's room and Jinder Mahal is dying. He calls Roman an animal and wants the match tonight postponed. Angle says it has to happen because tonight is the last night for qualifying matches. Mm-hmm. Really? We, we don't have time. So that means SmackDown will have three qualifiers. Um, okay, SmackDown is very weird. Oh, sorry, two, two more qualifiers because somebody filled the spot uh, in the main event here. Uh, yes, yes. So they, well, they SmackDown has to have four people in each match. Right. Um, and I don't know off the top of my head how many qualified last week. Anyway, point is, we've got four more episodes of Raw. What does Kurt have planned for the next four weeks that a qualifying match can't be delayed for yeah. another week? Multi-man matches? Are you kidding me? Look at this show and what it's full of. You're telling me that you are just so booked solid <laughs> over the next four weeks that these qualifying matches, they have to be done by May 14th. So the match is still on. Mahal says he will compete and do what Roman Reigns couldn't do and qualify. This is when Brizongo took on the B team as Axel and Dallas were wearing shirts that they had drawn B's on and colored in with Sharpies. Yeah, like the job squad. Which I'm sure they're going to sell these. Oh, for sure. I think they should individually Sharpie everyone. Well, yeah, come on. Put some, put some blood, sweat, and tears into it. <laughs> Brizongo is going to live tweet the royal wedding this Saturday. I mean, that's, that's cool. That's something for them to do. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they are going to still be on this European tour, which... Oh, they will be. Do you think yeah. they get paid for live-tweeting the Royal Wedding? Uh, I don't know if they get paid specifically for that, but I think they're getting paid. Uh, I'm sure there are many days where they show up and they get paid for doing nothing at all. That's fair. All I can say is that with this travel schedule of the last couple of weeks, months, if they told me, yeah, on this Saturday morning we need you to get up to, uh, to live-tweet the Royal <laughs> Wedding... I would be telling them to royally fuck off. <laughs> Fandango fired up on Axel. He missed the last dance off the top, this leg drop. So crowd still loves the Fandango they song. Were, they were treating this say, like it was 2013. I'm not going to say they love Fandango, but they certainly they love, love, the song. love the song. And I I mean, that's that's the UK. They love to sing. What did you make of the crowd? Because this felt at times, like there was no way this crowd could be so silent at times as they mm. were on the show. I'll tell you. Uh, like, but what, then there's times where they're, well, they're singing and stuff. It feels to me like they this was an audience that was here to chant. Um, I think a lot of the matches they were presented with, they felt indifferent to, but that didn't stop them from making their own good time and singing Nando's, you know, <laughs> chanting for Nando's. 
You'd hear like, those, but then the and maybe they were. Listen, I was bored out of my skull. The for this chant show. Fernando suggests that they were completely removed from that match. They couldn't care less about the outcome of something like this. Brizongo versus. I mean, I don't know if they cared about the outcome for this match at all, but um, they wanted to have a good time. They wanted to chant and sing. Well, it's just, these shows in the UK years ago used to be just party atmosphere, and they have consistently. Like the last number that they have come to the UK, it is it has been this, hmm. where it's just, yeah, there's some liveliness to it, but a lot of just silence at times. And I don't even know if that's them manipulating the sound, because no. I can't fathom these people being so quiet. Yeah, why would they manipulate? If anything, you would the sound would be louder. Uh, if they have would. done that. Yeah, but that means the matches would be hotter. Like they would sound, or they bring them down because they don't want the audience distracting. Well, and they did do a very good job because I heard every chant <laughs> in this audience tonight. Charlie interviewed them after the after the match. Dallas says anything's possible as he's losing his voice, and Axel says they're coming for the raw tag titles. So, their finish is the uh, the inverted three D that we talked about. Right. Yeah. Double team reverse neck breaker. Three B maybe. Three 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 B. Uh, three forty four. They won this match in. Sasha Banks, Natalia, and Ember Moon against the Riot Squad. Babyfaces cleared the ring, went through a break. Tag was made to Natalia, who worked with Liv Morgan, went for the sharpshooter early, but then was stopped. Morgan got an inside cradle for a two count. Banks hit the Meteora to Logan off the apron, and then Moon hit this crazy uh, Lope to riot on the floor, and then Natalia puts Morgan into the sharpshooter for the submission victory. Yeah, uh, you know, much like it is on SmackDown, uh, a wide varying level of uh, experience, I would say, amongst the, the women's division here. On the low end, certainly you have somebody like Liv Morgan who just... Does not look ready for for a, a matches with you know people like an Ember Moon or or even a Sasha Banks. But then on the other end, you have Ember Moon, who in my opinion looked the most impressive in this match. Mm-hmm. I think you know they're kind of keeping her in in the background right now. I wonder if that's a mistake because like she's somebody who I well think, she's in the Money in the Bank match. That's that's, that's a, true. That's actually. a good she could, spot. She could win it. You're right. You're right. Well, I hope she does win it because I think like. Her stuff looks the cleanest and looks the hardest hitting. I don't know how her promo kind of stacks up against the others, but in ring, like, she looks to be a different level right now than a lot of them. The Riot Squad, they sent out a photo over the weekend. They're on the European tour, and they were out, I guess, sightseeing together. And you know on the new iPhone now, you can you can get your photo, uh, take your photo, and then you hold it down, and it'll, like, play, like, the sequence of the photo. Like, almost like a mini video. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like so, a GIF. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So, I very much wanted this photo with the Riot Squad. I wanted to... I wanted to... I wanted to play this scene out. What are these three like together mm-hmm. outside of a wrestling ring? What are Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan kicking back chatting about? I totally believe that they would hang out. They do hang out, obviously. Yeah. I just don't know what these three... I don't know anything about these so three. we're talking about wrestling. I don't know a thing about Liv Morgan. I don't either. She's got a blue tongue all of a sudden. We know Sarah Logan, you know, grew up on a taters farm. Oh, okay. Yeah. In Kentucky. Yeah. I don't find them all too convincing as a as a group right now. I think I think Ruby Riot's actually doing pretty well since she's come to Raw. They booked her strong, like she she's looked good. But the other two, uh, I feel like they're still trying to find their identities, and I think as a unit they're trying to find their identities still. Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler selfie time. They state the roster has gone soft. It used to have warriors and legends. 
Now you got these fuckers. They call the new guys fat pigs, such as Braun Strowman and Finn Balor, who were only interested in taking up a spot at catering. Yeah, Is that, that, said? that fat ass Finn Balor. Yeah. And they're only popular because of choreographed entrances and flipping cars. McIntyre says they have lost the fire and are here to remind them. And then Dolph says, well, they, they, they finish each other's sentences, by the way. Okay. We're not here to take food off anyone's table. We're here to flip over the damn table. Yeah, I thought they were... That should be our catchphrase way. Oh, God. I mean, I thought the delivery, as usual, is strong with these two, but I thought this promo was a little corny. Like, they were trying a little too hard with the food analogies here. For anyone that thinks I'm too critical, I, I implore you to watch some of these promos and type them out like I do, okay? <laughs> because that will give you such a better understanding can you start of how goofy some of this stuff sounds. Can you start tweeting these out or like Instagramming like some of these written out? I just, it's so it's so Maybe amazing. I should. We're not here to take food off anyone's table, but we're here to flip over the damn table. <laughs> so the food just goes to waste. We got a random superstar fact about Seamus who had no presence on this show, used to be a rugby and Gaelic football player and a bodyguard for U2 and Bono. Why did they do that? I don't know. He wasn't even on the... He's is a, he on he's Raw? He's a SmackDown guy. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> I can't even keep track of the guy. Hardy and Bray Wyatt... Neither do, can they. <laughs> Wrong Matt, show. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt come out. Cole asked Booker if he's woken... And Booker just sounded like he literally put his head up and says, I'm awake. <laughs> I wasn't. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt against The Revival, who are desperately in need of one. The audience is singing The Whole World's in His Hands. Matt Hardy does that applause spot, and Jesus, this was like one of the biggest reactions of the show. The crowd gave him a standing ovation. You watch Mar Matt Hardy in 2018, and you compare him to Matt Hardy of like 1998. It's like, it's an exercise in minimalism. And I, and really, I mean, I guess an exercise in uh, how once you're over, you can get by with doing very little. And I, again, they're doing very little. I see Matt Hardy at, at his physical condition. The guy's fine. Like, I'm not, I, I feel like I might be overstating it sometimes, but he's clearly not Matt Hardy of 1998. And he's, so, therefore, he's not wrestling like Matt Hardy in 1998. He's wrestling like a different Matt Hardy. The B team is scouting backstage with their custom uh, books or... Uh, notepads. Notepads. So, they've got these notepads, and they've used Sharpies to draw the Bs on, on their clipboards. And if you look closely, poor Bo Dallas has his fingerprints smudging all this Sharpie ink all over his clipboard. And I don't oh, think he even realizes it. So gross. as soon as they finish shooting this, I'm sure he, he'll realize he's really messed up his gloves. <laughs> Bray had a running senton to Dawson. They beat him up for a while. Wilder took out Matt's knee. They worked over the knee for a while. We even got a dragon screw out of Dawson here. Hot tag to Bray. Big Urinagi to Dawson. Twist of fate to Wilder. And then their new finish is called the Kiss of Deletion. Which is just uh, Sister Abigail, like the double Sister Abigail. Yeah. They delivered this to Dawson and won in 444 to set up the big title challenge from the B team. Um, I guess, yeah, really. You it think they're doing be, this? Eh? That seems to be what they're doing. What other team's ready? I think the B team are, should be continuously trying I'm, I'm, to beg for the title shot but not get it for a long time. 
Don't you? Or you could have Ziggler and McIntyre kill the B team. Right. Yeah, I guess. And they'll have some witty line about, you may be the B team, but we are going to see you later because you get a D for this performance. Oh my, wow. I'm trying to think like them now. (laughs) Bailey's backstage. Sasha walks out of the locker room. Good luck. And then Bailey blushes and says, thanks. So they're on again. Or they're on the way to being on again. In this yeah, on they were, again they were on a break before. Yeah. Now they're back together. They're teasing. Maybe, I don't give a shit. Maybe they're going to come together as a violent tag team. What do you mean? Uh, maybe they'll be heels together. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to I'm trying to guess any direction this can go that I could possibly care. Well, uh they seem to be back together, so maybe uh they're both in the money in the bank. Wait, no, Bailey isn't. Bailey isn't in the money in the bank. We should really pull this okay, up. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Can I tell you how uninteresting I find these ladder matches so far? Like it just sounds like No, oh, granted, we don't have the full lineups yet. But let, let's take let's take a look at this. Okay, okay so sure. on the women's side we have Alexa. Uh, spoiler, Alexa, Charlotte, and Ember Moon with three, four, five uh, qualifiers still to happen. Yeah. Then on the men's side we've got Owens, Rude, Rusev, Miz, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, mm-hmm. which will be fine. Yeah, and I would say for the women, like you at least like I think you have your top stars in there. I, I you can assume that maybe Asuka will get a spot. Yeah. So. You would hope. Yeah, so the money in the bank on the women's side feels like it's it's your top tier women, and for the men, it feels as though it's just uh, mid card with upper mid card and Braun. Yeah, Braun. I think Braun being in it is is some somewhat interesting. I find Braun the only interesting one. Sure, to win. Then uh, Seth Rollins has a conditioning video where he's working out because. Jumping on board, the sponsorship game in the wrestling space are post-it notes. Oh, For wow. their extreme brand of post-it notes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's at least we know they're interested in wrestling. Maybe we can get on that. There you go. Post-it extreme notes. Yeah. I want to know the difference between a post-it note and a post-it extreme note. It's extra sticky. Like, could a paper cut kill Ooh, from these? I don't know. Sami Zayn's in the ring. The audience is humming his music, and he shuts it down. Notes that he does look like Prince Harry, which uh, immediately sent me to Google Images. Because me too. I, I was very dull uh, and I, bored. What was your verdict? Um, I can see it. Sure. I could. I could see people. You know, not the, uh, not a glaring identity. I think any ginger with a beard, yeah, would pass. He says that Prince Harry is a fan of his, unlike Bobby Lashley. And he goes back to Lashley returning to Raw the same night he did and looking good at his expense. And they showed him delivering the, the delayed vertical, which led to Sami Zayn's vertigo. Should he not start calling this the vertigo suplex? The vertigo suplex. Yeah. That's really good. Wow. I thought you were going to go for some kind of a Saudi Arabian uh, what <laughs> play on turn? Well, it, it caused the man to be. Oh, <laughs> I mean this this severe uh, disease, this this ailment prevented him from going to another country. So he calls this vertigo the first case of vertigo in WWE history. Clearly not 
a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe when we discussed uh, Ric Flair and Bret Hart in 1992 and the title change. There was Vertigo in Br- that? Ric Flair was working with Vertigo at the time. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yes. Wow. On the uh, Coliseum home video release. Interesting. Of Smack'em Whack'em. I should listen to that. You should go back, way. Yeah. You were here for it. Uh, he says the Vertigo affects his, uh, his motor skills and uh, others' tolerance and claims that he would have won the greatest Royal Rumble had he not contracted Vertigo and lost his qualifying match last week and has lost all his matches since because of this damn Vertigo. And then they replayed Lashley talking about his family. So Zayn tracked down Bobby's sisters on Facebook. Jessica, Francis, and Kathy. And it turns out that the sisters say that Lashley is not the person he says he is. So what has Sammy done? He has contacted these three strangers, set up flight information, hotel accommodations, and he is bringing the three sisters to America's favorite stop of Albany, New York for Raw next week to come on television and blast their brother Bobby. Wow. Because Bobby is not who he says he is. So I think there's only one logical explanation here for these sisters to explain what Bobby is in 2018 no different than 11 years ago dude's a Trump supporter and he wants Sami Zayn deported oh my yo wow that could be the the bigger story here yeah wow because that is a definite uh, uh definite fact there you go he is a Trump supporter. Bobby the wall Lashley <laughs> <laughs> wow uh very interesting well, uh, I think the whole world uh, evidently was perplexed by the interview that he gave last week. As was this audience, yeah. who has at least taken something from that interview to create a chant out mm-hmm. of. Knowing that that interview was the point of this angle, it, it, it's like, you know, it, it makes a bit more sense, and I think, you know, we can excuse it a bit more. Still, it was a very forced and I would say inorganic way of getting to this point. You know, they we want to introduce Bobby Lashley's sisters. <laughs> Let's just do an in, sit-down interview where he only talks about his sisters. Am I being an alarmist by saying Bobby Lashley's run in WWE is heavily <laughs> contingent on how this segment goes next week? I feel this yeah. one could be a yes angle of death for Bobby Lashley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not what we imagined uh, when we first heard it, that he was leaving Impact and coming to the WWE. Uh, sister angle. Can we officially, like, Impact 10-9 round on the Hardys? Yes. 10-8 for Bobby Lashley so far. Well, it hasn't unfolded yet. Let's we will wait. give them next week. Yeah, but um, it's not looking good. Somebody has to be brought out. And I think that the when I heard the Bobby sisters chant, that's when I really thought to say they are going to like this angle is going to define this guy's run. I feel uh, unless yeah. they have some great plan next week, which we'll find out. I I wonder. I wonder. These things don't often go very well. <laughs> no. I'm, like I'm thinking back to all the great sister reveals of of wrestling past, and it's hard for me to think about that. Uh, any type of like family member reveal rarely turns into anything good. Sammy also had a funny line in here saying how Bobby wants to be like him and has stolen his hat. Yes, good. So that good was line. funny. 
Alexa Bliss, Bailey, and Mickey James was the next qualifying match. Uh, they started singing for Bailey at the beginning. Despite the year she's had. Despite the uh, finish that they would be receiving. Uh, Mickey works on Bailey as Alexa just stands and watches. And then Mickey tries to catch Alexa with a roll up and they start arguing. And the Bailey song picks up again. Bailey hit a high cross to both. Bliss hit a code red to Bailey, but Mickey made the save. This was when the audience, I think, just checked out here. They were chanting at someone in the crowd, and we got a big cheeky Nando's chant. They were chanting Nando's first. And then into and cheeky, then Nando's. cheeky Nando's. Did someone like um, put someone's head upside down and super kick them in the corner? Uh, no. Maybe somebody brought... Maybe Osprey was in the crowd. Uh, or maybe somebody brought some delicious rotisserie chicken into the audience. Nando's is tremendous. Nando's is fucking great. I love it. It's we a, we it's have a, a few here in Toronto. It's a relatively new phenomenon in Toronto, but uh, <laughs> you you either like it or you hate it, I guess. Oh, I, do, I haven't met anyone that hates it. Uh, some, yeah, oh. I don't know. Don't don't you dare look down upon me, folks out there, uh, <laughs> of Nando's. Man, with like the, the peri-peri fries. Uh, dude, I have the hot sauce at home. This, yeah. uh, I bought a bunch of it. It's great. Bailey to belly is hit. Mickey pulls her to the floor, tries to steal the pin. Bailey pulls Mickey to the floor, kicks Mickey down. Bailey climbs into the ring, snap, snapped with a right hand and DDT combo. And Alexa pins Bailey. Mm-hmm. You know what was the funniest part of this was a year ago, we, we all lost our mind that Alexa pinned Bailey in her hometown of San Jose. And a year later, congrats. Shrug of the shoulders. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. 10-7 round for NXT when it comes to Bailey. Well, I don't even think it was a shock to this audience either. No, you know, no, This audience who, despite their singing for Bailey, I don't necessarily get the sense that they were all that attached to the outcome of this match. You know, it's not like they were cheering for her to win or anything. I think they just wanted to sing, quite frankly. Um, it is notable that they chose, let's pin Bailey over Mickey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know how this will play into the Sasha thing. I don't even know if it will. Because Sasha, I guess there's no real point for Sasha to in, in, involve herself here, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, not nothing all that bad in the match, but really nothing special about the match at all. Jinder has his ribs taped up. He's been cleared to compete, and he's in so much pain. And he gets up from the trainer's room, and he's hobbling down the hall. And then out of nowhere, Roman Reigns spears the man through a wall. Everyone boos. A like wall. The- Come on. This was a piece of drywall oddly placed in front of a hallway. Like <laughs> it's a makeshift wall. Yeah. But they went through some effort. Like they even dangled some tube and an Ethernet cable from the top frame of the shot in order to make you think that he had blasted him through a wall. Yet a wall that somehow was like a centimeter thin and led into a hallway. Well, even with the ethernet, I don't think that this audience connected with Roman Reigns Whoa. during this segment. In yeah. fact, I thought that this was turning gender babyface by the end. This poor guy has been attacked. Kind of. Sure. Been in a trainer's room all night trying to get up. Boom. He gets put through a wall, which I guess is their, their deep subtleties of the Bobby Lashley Roman Reigns feud later. Hmm. Roman Reigns will tear down any wall because he's pro-immigration. Okay. Um, Then we went to Angle again. 
He says the match must go on. He's going to find a replacement for Jinder as they check on him. So I think we're getting Roman and Jinder at Money in the Bank. Oh, for sure we are. Yeah. Well, yeah. last week we were discussing this. This has to be a TV match. And apparently not. Chicago is probably going to get Roman and Jinder Mahal. Big week for Chicago. Boy. All in and... Enjoy Jinder. your takeover the night before, folks. Because the next night, it's going to be a mixed bag. <laughs> I hope they put that match on first. I, I'm positive they will put it on relatively early. I mean, what's been kind Never of... mind. I want them to close the show with it. <laughs> what's been fun about this whole Roman Reigns thing is that, like, uh, they're forming some type of antagonistic relationship between, uh, you know, what Vince wants to see on TV and what their audience wants to see. And it's been really exciting to see creative ways in which the audience is starting to rebel against Roman Reigns, whether it be beach balls or leaving the show early. And who knows what else? I mean, I think a way to combat that from their the WWE's perspective is to put Roman on early. Uh, and if they do that, I I mean, listen, look well, at the look at the ends of the earth they're crazy. going it's to. Crazy. Like, it, give up. But you know what? Like, now ball the ball is in the audience's court. Be Literally, creative. they're bringing it into the arena. <laughs> Literally, exactly. But be creative, audience. I want to see how you rebel against this Roman Reigns Jinder Mahal match in the biggest way. Like, because I expect fireworks for this one. Wow! Like all the chance you can imagine. You know what would be the most awesome, like organic idea? I know. Okay, I want to hear you say it, but I have an I have a great idea as well. Fans start bringing umbrellas. Okay, that, that, that's not going to happen. They open the umbrellas to prevent the rain. <laughs> that is pretty good. And you just see a sea of umbrellas that are shielding them from what is going on in the ring. Could you imagine that visual? If, oh, like, that would be amazing. If you had the hard cam full of umbrellas. That would be amazing. You can't confiscate an umbrella. Well, a little impractical, I would say. To bring an umbrella in? Yeah, but how many people, how, how many people will do that? And how many people will, will like... This reminds me of like the Hong Kong, like in Hong Kong, there's this thing called the uh, umbrella, um, like revolution or something like that. Or anyway, umbre- the umbrella protests where like umbrellas are like a symbol of protest. But sure, do that. But I was also thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if this audience during that match just all collectively stood up and turned their backs? Turn their backs. Simple <laughs> as that. I think that'd be so awesome. Man. I don't know. I, it just... I, I feel that this is all, I don't want to say irreparable damage, but it just feels like Roman is just... It's not helping Roman, unless you want to turn him heel. I think that's the only thing you can possibly do. Mm-hmm. That is your that is your control Z of this entire disaster. Like, the last two months have been a disaster for them with this guy. Unless you want to turn him heel, then it's the best thing that they could be doing. Well, I don't. They're... It just feels they're double down in here. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. anyway. Finn Balor, Braun Strowman against Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. They've changed the order of the entrances, at least for tonight, where the record scratch, record scratch for Dolph Ziggler starts off before abruptly cutting into the Drew McIntyre Yeah, because entrance. every single team now has to have both songs represented. Yeah, unnecessary for these guys, especially since they're a real team. But uh, here... I expect this one to be a one-night-only thing because we're in the UK. Braun and Drew McIntyre are tagged in, and Booker sets the scene. Just a a poet for the mind. No bread, no water, just meat. Wow. Which, I wish Sean Stasiak had that line. (laughs) Drew's Drew's telling Braun he's been ready for this moment. He asks, are you ready? And then he tags in Ziggler. We go to a commercial. This was strange. Did you watch the SmackDown ad? No. 
So Monday morning, Shane tweets out Styles versus Nakamura at Money in the Bank. Then this SmackDown ad plays during the show, and they're promoting it for tomorrow night. Are you sure it wasn't like a contract signing or something? They said the or just the like, next encounter yeah. would be. I'm gonna go to the WWE's Twitter account okay. and see uh, confirmation here because well, this no would way- be a first where they have announced a match twice for two different events in one day. There's no way they're doing the match on SmackDown. No, the match is for Money in the Bank. If you watch this ad though, it's maybe. May- yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna find it and. And then we're going to watch the ad. Are you sure the ad wasn't just saying, we've announced the match. Let's see what they think tomorrow. Well, do you know how much stuff that WWE posts during an episode of Raw? (laughs) Like, they screen grab and video grab the shit. Like, I could watch the whole show here on Twitter. They've got everything here. Like, the finishes. They've got everything. Yeah, a lot of people do. Okay, but they don't have the SmackDown video. I'll find it later. Um, so Drew, yeah, just finish the match. Let's. That's it. Uh, I was finishing the show actually. Balor comes in, running drop kick to Ziggler. Coup de Gras stopped by Drew. Strowman does his big running shoulder block. Of course, after he took a bump, running shoulder first into the post. The mm-hmm. most uh, susceptible injury in WWE. Balor's distracted on the apron, climbs up, crotched by Ziggler, who pins Balor. Dolph Ziggler pins Finn Balor. Yeah. Uh... In this whole thing, um, we had a, a casualty. Oh, dear. Who died? The greatest Royal Rumble trophy. Oh, this thing was taken over after Braun hit the uh, the running shoulder tap. Yeah, Braun hit Drew McIntyre on the outside, and Drew knocks over this greatest Royal Rumble trophy. And it, I don't know if it's fix, fixable, but it definitely broke. Uh, so... <laughs> This might be the end of this greatest Royal Rumble trophy. I wonder how the shakes feel about that. Bit of a bit of a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'll say in this match, they kept Drew feeling like a big deal here. Like, to me, they had him do a standoff with Braun Strowman. And I thought the effect was that you now see Drew on level with Braun Strowman. And they also didn't give you that interaction. You had Drew tag out quickly after, you know, uh, trying to bait the crowd to, into thinking that they were going to see this. So... I feel like they're definitely trying to make Drew McIntyre's feel like a future main eventer on the level of a Braun Strowman, or at least close to it. So I've looked this up, and it says here, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura to battle for the right to choose stipulation for Money in the Bank championship match on SmackDown. You're kidding me. They're having a match tomorrow? This is on the website. Oh my God. Let's read this, okay? Let's not get anything wrong here. SmackDown commissioner Shane McMahon announced on Monday that the rivalry between Styles and Nakamura would continue at Money in the Bank with another championship showdown. However, the two will also collide on tonight's SmackDown in a match that has huge implications for their title bout in Chicago. The winner of the showdown will get to choose the stipulation for Money in the Bank. Wow. Can you... Why are we having this rematch? Because we had a non-finish in the last match. So let's have a match to determine... The stipulation that will avoid a non-finish from the last match. Do you understand how nonsensical that is? We're having this stipulation because of the idea they can't settle it in a normal match. So we're going to have a normal match to set up the match that can't be settled with a normal match. Uh Yeah. Um, It's creative. It's it's brand new. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Then we had a repeat of the NBC upfront angle. 
if you missed it. And then all the websites that covered it. Where was post-wrestling? The fuck. You were the first to report it. One of the first. Well, we got we got no love. Kurt Angle is back on the phone discussing Rousey. He sent Roman away and has the perfect replacement for Jinder Mahal. And he's on the phone with Stephanie. And, of course, it's going to be Kevin Owens to take on Lashley and Elias. What was interesting was that Owens was the surprise entrant. And he got the second entrance and Lashley got the the big entrance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird for a surprise. This is when the Bobby sisters chant returned. They sung for Elias. They did not care about this match. They cared about just chanting. Elias calls for his guitar. Jojo brings it over. This was the most happy this audience was. But then there, Elias is stopped by Owens. He, uh, there's a top rope elbow delivered by Elias. Lashley pulls him off. Then Lashley lifts up Elias and hits Will Ospreay's Stormbreaker. The new movie's introduced. Yeah, I, I think I've seen him do it. It's not the full... Stormbreaker. He doesn't have like the underhooks it, that, and it's not Will the full. Does. Like it's not. I think Osprey even does like a at least an extra half rotation or even a, a more one more full rotation. But so this isn't similar. really a storm. It's like a a light drizzle. Yeah. Breaker. Drizzle breaker. Zane shows up, pulls Elias to the floor, and or sorry, pulls Lashley to the floor, and then delivers a haluva kick. Bobby's out on the floor. Owens frog splashes Elias and pins him, and Booker refers to Owens and Zane as brothers to the bone. Right. So Zane helps Owens despite Owens not helping Zane. Yes, that week. was the story here because Zane uh Owens never came out to help him last week. Right. Okay. Well, the story of this match to me was how hard this crowd turned on Bobby Lashley. They were booing him like pretty hard uh, to an extent that I really didn't expect this. This, uh, this amazing early. accomplishment in this short amount of that, time. That sister interview like has already like really hurt him. Like what the fuck was? I that? didn't think it'd be this bad this week. <laughs> I thought people would be at least. Let's see where this goes. On the other hand, I mean, this was a crowd that loved Elias, and when Elias did that thing where he stopped the match in order to take his guitar to do the song, like. That baby-faced him big time to this audience. So by the end of this match, you had a crowd that loved Elias and really wanted to see him to win. Uh, and then you had Bobby Lashley, who everybody hated. And I think maybe it just kind of goes to show that, you know, Elias is somebody who entertains every single week. He comes out, does his act, and makes people laugh. Bobby Lashley thus far has had an awkward interview with his sisters. <laughs> and he can hold people in vertical suplexes for a long time. That's just not enough. You know, being a baby face in 2018, you need to be more than big and muscular. And I don't know. There's just like, it's very easy now to for a crowd to resent somebody for the push that they're getting if they don't deserve it. And I think this audience at this point sees Bobby Lashley as somebody who's not deserving of this push. The man was tied up in the woods for hours. Isn't there a little sympathy? Right. Yeah, I don't know. These sisters are heels. I, 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 to me, this suggests that Bobby Lashley will turn heel. Or at least, <laughs> it feels that way. No, you know what? He's with Zayn, so I guess he can't turn heel. Like, wh- this this sister's thing is just... <laughs> I hope they have a way out of this oh, to just divorce this awful idea they have had next week. And we will reserve judgment yeah, until we'll we see, see this segment next week. But mm-hmm. it is not good so yeah. far. I really didn't enjoy this episode of Raw. I was just... I could tell. Uh... This there's there's Raws where I'm really bored 
And I, I certainly was bored throughout this. I, I felt that this was just a very run-of-the-mill show with, with very little story attached to it. There was also stuff that was just... Some of the creative is just really not ringing true. I, th- I think Roman sweet. just has this awful shadow over the show that this show lacks that true top babyface. Uh, Braun's kind of been reduced from that role now. You don't have that show... That top star that the show is built around, mm-hmm. because Roman should be in that role, but to me, he's just blocking that role now. Um, and I think that cast downward. I think the Lashley stuff is really bad, and I just think that we have just this abundance of characters that the audience is kind of just indifferent to now. Certainly. And and I would include like Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. The audience gets into, but I think it's it's all these characters that are at a certain level and not going anywhere higher than that. And there's just such a mm-hmm an amazing amount of them it feels on the show at the moment well there's absolutely no doubt that i mean this raw was certainly not a must-see raw like in fact if i had to pick out what people should watch out of this owens rollins match was good beyond that like i would only suggest people watch this show if they want to see things go the way that they're not supposed to go and by that i mean this was a very entertaining crowd that you know booed Roman really hard, booed Bobby Lashley really hard in the main event. Um, Those were very interesting interactions. But as far as like the wrestling itself or the storylines, hardly anything inspiring. Um, Do you want to go to feedback or do you want to go to Total Bellas? How do you feel? Uh, Let's talk a bit about Total Bellas. Sure. It might improve my, my viewing. So we had some big top-of-the-line journalism on Monday from Hoda and Kathy Lee. When I saw this video, Kathy Lee and Hoda talking to John Cena about his breakup, I couldn't imagine a video that I so didn't want to click on more than this video. Of all the people in the world, Hoda and Kathy Lee are going to be the ones to bring John Cena out from the darkness that has been his post-relationship stress. Oh, they're they're terrible. Then I hit play. (laughs) And hearing John Cena explain what this breakup and what he is going through, if robots could talk, (laughs) he literally talks, and I want to play this clip because this is what it sounded to me. I have been out of my house and some people have said oh john is living it up no i have been with people (laughs) that is called human interaction (laughs) he says this with the emotion of two double a batteries in the back of his head that i'm not convinced he has in fact i guarantee you there's probably batteries that go into this because this was the mechanical john cena who i heard Explain his relationship. John John is holding a, an action figure. Yeah, this is really just for the video crowd. Of John Cena. Can we just play... I won't be able to make it through this video, but can we play like... You want to play it right now? Let's just play the first minute okay. of Actually, this video. Actually, do you want to bring it up? Oh, sure, yours? sure, sure. Let me... Uh, l- let's go. I'm and, assuming there are people that have not heard this, or even if you have, why not? Have you watched this? I have. Okay. Yes, I have. Let's relive it all together as a community. Yeah. Um, we also had Nikki's reaction later in the I day, know, which is, day, I mean, big day. I think we all can see now where this is all going. Where? Oh, this is. Come where? On, come on. 
Well, you've been going through something lately. Yes, uh, we indeed. We all go through stuff. Yeah. Else, always. Well, you were you revealed a lot to us um, over the years, and especially yeah. you talked about your wonderful romance with Nikki, and you yes. talked about your proposal, and you talked yes. about your wedding date, which a lot of people were kind of sad to see come and go. And you guys. I was one of those people. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. a tough. Um, how are you doing? Uh, it's uh, it's it's up and it's down. I don't okay. want to. I don't. I mean, I've always been honest with you guys. Yeah. I also don't want to ruin the viewers' morning by giving us a bowl of sadness soup. It's been up and it's <laughs> or been cereal. down. Sadness yeah. cereal. Yes. Uh, it's been incredibly reflective, which okay. is amazing, uh, but it's very difficult. I had my heart broken out of nowhere, and um, or for me it was out of nowhere, and, and anyone who's experienced that knows that it, it comes with a, a series of bad feelings. Mm -hmm. But um, I've looked at myself every day, and I've tried to evaluate myself and the woman that I love, and... Uh, for anyone out there speculating on like what I'm doing with my life now, okay, okay, okay. I still love right, Nicole. This is the line. I still would love to marry Nicole. I still would love to have a family with Nicole. Uh, there was an unfortunate set of circumstances where our relationship ended. Um, there's been a lot of speculation recently about me being seen in public, and everyone's thinking like, "Oh, John Cena's enjoying the single life." No. I was supposed to be married and have a honeymoon over these two weeks. It's the first time in 15 years that I've taken a vacation. I am in my house alone, mm -hmm. surrounded by these emotionally strong memories. Mm -hmm. And every day from six to nine, I get out of the house and talk to strangers as <laughs> social interaction. So there's a lot of pictures of me with like, hey, I'm here with this person, or I'm here with this person. It's called living your life. You have to keep doing that. I don't want anybody else. All right. John Cena. Six to nine every day. He goes out and talks to strangers. I could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, could you even do that for six to nine minutes? No. <laughs> for three hours a day, this man claims he's going out to talk to strangers. I want video of that. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, where do you even start? <laughs> uh, uh, and how do you start that know. conversation? Hey, <laughs> I'm single. <laughs> Barber. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So what what do you make of that? Wait, so what I, are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying about all this? What do you want to say about it? Uh, I, I can't tell you I've given it much thought at all, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, listen, I feel this is a real great... I feel this is a real great campaign for Total Bellas. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, I have zero doubt that John Cena speaking at all times is a very calculated thing, you know? Anytime he is on camera, whether it be Total Bellas or doing any type of uh, TV hosting like this or in front of uh, professional wrestling cameras, the man knows he's being watched, and therefore I think he is very careful with his words. And, uh, you know, always perhaps saying something with a goal in mind. Certainly he would not be this open about talking something to, something like this Unless there was benefit to come from it. And the benefit is, yes, people will watch Total Be uh, uh, Bellas. People will perhaps be more attached to me as a public figure, knowing that I am going through this very relatable hardship in my personal life. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that's a given. Um, doesn't mean that they didn't actually break up, though. Doesn't mean that... He doesn't actually feel these things. We don't know that, or at least I'm not comfortable enough to say right now that, hey, this is all scripted. I'm really not. And in the end, 
I guess, does it matter? Like, even if it is scripted, is this not a good professional wrestling angle? Oh, I think it's very good. for. To- I, I think that this season of Total Bellas is going to do tremendous. Mm-hmm. All because of this. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a big... Uh, it's the biggest um, story for the whole season. So I, I think it's great for the show. Tremendous for the show. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, Nikki had a response to... She said... Um, well, she was given the news of what John Cena said by uh, Extra. And Nikki hasn't seen it. And Nikki just said that she was speechless, that John still loves her. Amazing. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to that. He still wants to marry Nikki and uh, be and, the father be of the her father. children. So I guess it's not so the, what's the, problem? the children that that is the holdup. Oh, by now, the now way, you got to watch the season for the real reason. Well, by the way, that clip that we were talking about in the trailer... That trailer had actually premiered back in January. Yes, because they were going to be teasing this breakup, and then this actual breakup came out. Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't know what that was. We shall find out. That was the award-winning Nikki Bella, who should get an Oscar this year, maybe. We'll see how this turns out. All right. Uh, Let us go to the feedback uh, and chat raw. Uh, Tonight's show, scale of 1 to 10. I'll give the show a 2.5. Way? Uh, I mean, uh, maybe, okay, maybe a 4. A 6.23. Oh, we're negative. Wow. All well, right, we got a, uh, yeah, we, we did get some live feedback as well, starting with Carl. I attended the O2 tonight. My ticket sent me back 80 pounds for a show without either top male and female champion. And let me just say, WWE owes us one. We were given a house show that lacked star power, and we made it feel like a United Kingdom WrestleMania. I really hope our enthusiasm came across on TV. We were all in for almost every single person on this show. So that tells me right there, and granted, people that are there live, it doesn't always translate on TV, but... Oh, if I was there, there were dead, dead parts of matches that I, I totally believe Carl that this audience was up for that they had lowered. From Carl's uh, response, it sounds like this was a crowd that enjoyed being a part of a crowd rather than necessarily enjoyed what they were watching in front of the screen. He goes on to say, uh, we were the pulse that kept this show alive tonight. If there's anyone who could do this with a run at holding the Money in the Bank briefcase right now, it's Kevin Owens. Uh, He says, even Sami Zayn, I feel more focused on him right now. Bobby Lashley feels so generic, it's actually nauseating. Why introduce him to television if you have nothing for him? Seth Rollins was hands down the biggest merchandise pusher tonight. I feel his stock is growing and growing by the week. Well, that's great. Okay, we go to... uh... (laughs) Oh, he's Matt asks on a scale of Katie Vick to Mae Young, where will the Bobby Lashley sister storyline rate? I mean, those would certainly be comparisons that I would think about. I mean, I'd throw Claire Lynch in there as well. Um, but we shall see. It's hard to, it's a bit early to grade it right now. Yes. When it comes to uh, family members being introduced, um, yeah. Claire Lynch, Mama Benjamin, mm-hmm. there are some, some awful choices out there that they could hit next week. Uh, next one here. Sami Zayn must be the biggest heel in the company, threatening fans that he's bringing Bobby Lashley's sisters next week. Uh, I got Mama Benjamin vibes all over again. Ashley Lashley. <laughs> what yeah. were the names? Oh, Fran- that's what that's what you said. Lastly. Yeah, that's what I said. Lastly, yeah, we had uh, Claire 
Francis. I don't know, dude. Anyway, I'm glad the arsonist Seth Rollins is finally connecting with the fans as well. From what I've read, a merchandise seller didn't think that Seth would feel more like a main event star over Braun. Uh, okay, we go up next uh, to Martin, who says, "So I've got to give it to all the wrestlers that did double duty to, or did double and triple duty tonight because they went." All out to entertain the England crowd. Having said that, pretty much a by-the-numbers show tonight, and I expected more for an England show. What, what does he mean, double and triple? Uh, well, Owens did double duty on this show. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if anyone else was... Maybe uh, some dark match guys. Yeah, maybe you had some that doubled over. Um, Jack writes in from Denmark. I attended the show tonight with my girlfriend, and we both came away a little disappointed. The crowd were loud as usual in England, but there was a lack of star power on this show. Felt a little ordinary. That said, the three favorites to the crowd were Elias, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman in that order. Underwhelming reveal of Owens as the third participant in the triple threat was hoping for Pete Dunne, as were a lot of the crowd. After the show, there was a six-man with Owens, Zane. Okay, the, Owens, Zane, and Elias versus Lashley, Rollins, and Reigns. So Owens did three matches on this show. Oh, wow. Jesus. Rain, and, t- and took a falcon arrow. Reigns won with a spear. Seth then got on the mic and gave it to Elias to finish the show. If you'd have told me a year ago Elias would be the one sending the crowd home happy as the biggest star, I'd have laughed you out the door. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Pete Dunne in the main event. I just don't know how that would have made sense, but... They would have they would have had their guy to pin. <laughs> yeah, he would have gotten pinned, so you should be thankful. We go to Brendan from California. All the whining, the insubordination, and now the blindsiding, albeit on gender, has me viewing Roman as a heel. But I know what that WWE wants us to view him as a badass babyface. Then again, if actual felonies don't account for a heel turn, I guess I shouldn't look too much into tonight's happenings. Also, I don't know what to think about Nia challenging Ronda. It's too early to give Ronda the title, but it's also too early to give her a loss or even a dusty finish. I haven't watched Raw in three or so weeks and came back after hearing about that bizarre Lashley interview. Unfortunately, this episode was very boring and forgettable. Okay, next up, we go to Jalen from Pickering. Poor Zane really is the Christian to Owen's edge, and I genuinely feel bad for him. This guy is in a feud over Vertigo, and next week's segment could easily be This Is Your Life Levels of Bad. On a positive note, I like what they're doing with Drew and Dolph. Having them beat makeshift teams of people that are actually over does way more than beating anyone in that tag division. Sean from Toronto. As I watch more New Japan and ROH, it is becoming increasingly difficult for me to get into the highly repetitive product WWE puts out on a weekly basis. The only thing that stood out for me this week was when Elias was getting ready to play in the middle of the match. While I'm not exactly against the Ronda Rousey title match itself, I was not a fan at all of the way they set it up and with the scripted appreciation by Ronda and Charlotte egging her on for no reason whatsoever. Also, it seems destined to make Nia Jax seem really stupid, especially since there is no way they are not giving the belt to Ronda. Finally, am I the only one who thought back to the Shelton Benjamin's mother angle and not in a nostalgic way when Sami Zayn said he's bringing back Lashley's sisters? No, you're not, Sean. Do we get uh, actresses playing sisters? Yeah, for Guys sure. in drag oh. or legit the legitimate sisters next week? Which are we getting away? I don't think you'll be getting the legitimate sisters. I think you will get actresses. I think the guys in drag is just, yeah, that won't go over too well. Wrong era. Um, Brandon from Oshawa. I thought the first 30 minutes were great. Then the next hour happened and it bored me out of my mind and put me to sleep. I only just woke up. It wasn't even all that bad. Just who cares? Lame throwing together matches that suck. Okay. Well, this is, a. I want to ask about all in. Do you think that they will show it online or somewhere? I think they could make a killing on iPay-per-view 
And how about Flip winning the NWA title before the show, and that's how he gets booked. Um, first of all, streaming, I think, now that it's sold out, I think that there's a very likely possibility. It has to be a given. Yeah, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't now. It has to be a given that they will stream this with the amount of attention that they're... Like, this is... There's, there's more attention on this show than than most ROH shows. Um no, this, I mean, is, this is way bigger of, than any ROH show in history. Like how many how many New Japan shows would you say that on stateside this has as much attention as? Uh, New Japan's never come close to 10,000 in the US. Well, what I mean is even like the iPay-Per-View level. Like, I'll tell you from my perspective, outside of Wrestle Kingdom, I don't I don't know of, of New... Um, I guess maybe some Okada Omega Dominion shows. But beyond that, like, it feels like this show is at that level as well. That Wrestle saying. Kingdom that Jarrett promoted, that did about... 15,000 buys on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, this would top 15,000 buys. Well, we're, we're suggesting live pay-per-view. I don't know if they'll do pay-per-view, pay-per-view. No, it, it would probably be a streaming uh, I don't think, I, I, at this point, I preview I don't think is that big of an investment in cost. Uh, they'll certainly tape the show for, for the future anyway. Yeah, I think it's a given they'll stream it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flip winning the NWA title, it's a creative idea to do it. It's yeah. more so comes down to what... Um, to be honest, like I, I think the NWA, it's like they are benefiting from this. I, th- I think if they wanted to push this idea, I think they'd be, pardon the pun, all in on whatever suggestions oh, yeah. they have. Hundred percent. Who's the champ right now? Do you know? Nick Aldis. Okay. Mag- yeah, I Magnus. mean Cody versus Nick Aldis. I don't know how interesting that is. I love the idea of having Flip win it. Yeah, and that's that's his way to get mm-hmm. onto the show. It's something they've drawn yeah. out for a long time, so that's that's definitely an option. Right. I think the matches are so like you're gonna have great matches. I think everyone realizes that, but I think that's yeah. the matches are secondary to the event. Like you're going to something that's really historic and something you want to be a part of. The matches have to deliver, though. You don't you don't want to have an event like this and have the matches like be like backlash level, right? Like I think you're not getting that. You're though. certainly not. It's like, impossible. Jesus Christ! Look at the guys they've announced here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like I can tell you for a fact that guys like you know Cody and the Bucks and Kenny, they will all work their hardest at this show. I mean, maybe not like go crazy but think about how inspired those guys are right now when they see that the amount of support that they received right off the bat like again i i I go back to our analogy with with our experience with patreon the the knowledge that like we have so many of you guys supporting us with what we're doing right now is like motivation for us every single day that we're we're doing something like this and think about how inspired you know cody and the bucks would be for their matches when this is their show. Their name's on it. Their reputation's on the line. They will do their best. I, I, I have no doubt. Yeah. And, yeah, the, I think more will become apparent for, uh, with the show now that, you know, the tickets are sold and now yeah. they can actually structure the entire show and, and put it together. So um, that will be very, very big. It happens two weeks after SummerSlam, um, September the 1st. Uh, and that's all the feedback. So thank you. Actually, everybody. one more oh. from Sam from Long Island. Who uh, do you think? Who asked? Do you think Naya or Ronda turns? Well, it sounds like they're going to go into this as like the mutual respect, and I think for the match, the layout, like it should be kind of. I mean, they're they're positioning like this. Like, is Ronda ready? So that suggests to me that Ronda is the underdog in the match. Yeah. She will be the undersized yeah. Underdog. I think they'll tell that story without turning Nia. I think they put a lot into Nia now being this this anti bullying character that they're not going to just flip her for one title match. Right. Um. And and then your way out of it is, you know. That said, though, like 
they're dealing with the Chicago crowd for this show. Yeah. And Oh, by, yeah, like a run-in by Natalia won't be met positively. No, but what I mean is, like, by giving Ronda this position this early, you're risking a lot of uh, potential resentment from, from this, this type of audience. So I, it's not... Like I could see this crowd turning on Ronda. Oh yeah, like I, like this. I would have put Ronda on this show, just not in this title match. I think mm-hmm. like there is so much time that you could get there, but I, f- I feel that they felt a need to rush things with with Ronda, and thus like these these plans came, this change came together in like the last eight days, yeah, seven days. All right, that's going to wrap it up. As we mentioned, all our regular sl- slate of shows are coming up this week. Postwrestling.com, and now. You can follow us on Spotify. Actually, what it's been told to me that we've been on Spotify pretty much this entire time. Well, we were made aware of it today. Yeah. Like, I I applied to get us on Spotify. I'd never heard back at all. So I just assumed we're probably not on. But evidently, we've been on this entire time. Well, cool. The one more place where you can uh, follow us. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, of course. Just search for Post Wrestling. And... Uh, that's where you can get all of our shows. Once again, you can sign up postwrestlingcafe.com for Friday's bonus review of Captain America Winter Soldier that Wei and I will dissect. Uh, so that is it. It's kind of a quiet weekend coming up. There's a UFC card in Chile, and Evolve has a pair of shows, including Matt Riddle, Keith Lee on Sunday night in what is being promoted as The Final War. Wow. Their last singles match. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um. When when is the best of Super Juniors? That starts on Friday. Uh. So it's it's actually not that unbusy a weekend. So when uh Friday best of Super Juniors kicks off, and if you don't have New Japan World, they're streaming that show for free on uh on Friday. So you don't even have to be a subscriber to watch it. Thank you for reminding me because I want want to also make mention that we were wondering if uh the show that we're about to review for Rwanda Way next uh next next week. Global Wars 2014. We were wondering if that was on Honor Club. It certainly is on Honor Club, so do sign up for Honor Club and look for Global Wars 2014 if you want to follow along with us. Yes, yes, perfect. Uh, yes. I have signed up now for Honor Club to watch to watch this show. So uh, maybe we'll we'll discuss a little bit about Honor Club as well as I I will say. Uh, I searched for this show on Honor Club, knowing it's there, and I could not find this show. Like, it is not the easiest to to navigate thus far. Uh, That is it, postwrestling.com, and we'll speak with you Tuesday night after AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, number four.